The problem with patience is we want to control the outcome of our lives. So when we are in the midst of life and it's not going our way, we have a lack of patience. We throw this up at God a lot too. A lot. Like we trust him for all the situations until it becomes uncomfortable, until we feel exposed, until we feel vulnerable, and we want him to intervene in our life and it's not happening on our schedule. Then we're like, God, well, we're going to talk about that because this is a lot about what this gift of the Spirit is about with patience. Um, we don't like the tension, that middle ground of being stuck when we want to be someplace else in our lives. We've got these supposed to be's in our lives. So, the other big thing about patience is it often makes us feel like a failure. So, I've got a Greek lesson for you. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. I didn't even take it when I was training to be a pastor. It just wasn't my thing. But when you don't understand patience as the Bible understands patience, you go to the Greek so you can try to help figure it out, right? So, other versions, other English versions of the Bible will actually translate this word patience as long-suffering. Think about that for a moment. Patience, bad. Long-suffering, sounds worse, doesn't it? Fruit of the Spirit here, guys. So, the original Greek word is macrothumio, which basically means long temper. So having this fruit of the Spirit means we are to have a long temper towards God, others, and ourselves. Like, this sounds so holy. This sounds so reasonable. This actually, having a long temper towards God, or even towards others, or towards ourselves, actually sounds wrong. But, think about it further. It sounds like staying in the vulnerability of in that stuck in-between time of your life and having that little temper tantrum but having it out with God instead of trying to control the outcome and getting it fixed and over with. So long temper is a good synonym for what I call, and I use this term a lot if you hear me teaching, um, holy tension. Holy tension is pushing through our supposed to be's and letting time that God always uses to create the bigger and better outcome. And that is holy. So we have a list of supposed to be's, right? I am supposed to be in a better job by now. I am supposed to be earning a higher income by now. I am supposed to have this debt paid off by now. I am supposed to be married by now. I am supposed to have children by now. We have these supposed to be's that make us stuck sometimes in our life and we don't like that. But if we can push through our supposed to be's and let time happen, because that's what God uses to get to that other thing that is better and holy, something good is going to happen with that. But instead, we often would rather move through that tension quickly. So we divert out of it either in a speedy way, which may short circuit the work that God is doing, 
or we will divert out of it just by trying to get out of it in any way possible or we will numb the tension that that is. All three of those are options you guys may take all the time or one you may take all the time. I don't know, we're all a variety of that. But all of them, think about it, lead to some bad decisions. And they will often also lead to the feeling of regret. Because we didn't stay in that long temper with God to let that holy thing happen. And this is why we feel like a failure in patience. Because we've just tried to control the outcome, made some decisions that created other issues and other problems in our lives. We're starting over again and over again and over again. Now to have a long temper with God is actually what I consider holy and actually really good. I have many, 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 many long tempers with God in my life. Um, because it is in this process when I'm able to grumble with him and I'm able to, to, to express my lack of patience that God and I are actually talking all the time. Like all the time. And isn't that a relationship with God? It's, goodness, my life is not one of God, I trust you and you should, you know, could have just follow you whatever you take me to. My goodness, that is not my life, nor is that realistic, right? It is being in that constant, active, and personal relationship with God. So when we are in a frustrating time, or a waiting season, or something happened that I supposed to didn't happen when we thought it would, and we're like, like Ashley right now is, is in attention right now. She, um, she's back with the kids, but she got an email that she might have a job offer coming. She thought it would come, that email would come Friday. It's probably going to come Monday. Been a tense weekend for her patience. <laughs> She's in that, you know. Anyway, that's that's this God. Give me the email today. No, this stuff going on. So I want to bless you with this beautiful verse out of Ecclesiastes 3:11. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. We need to give God time to do his ultimate plan. Talked about that last week with John 16:33. We all get our trials and sorrows, but take heart because he will overcome the world, including your situation. We can't control the outcome. And in some ways you know that. We can't get Ash's email to her on Friday night because HR closed Friday, you know? We can't control these outcomes. We have to stay in this long temper. We need to have patience. And sometimes that feels like long suffering. Back to that. That's why those two words are used interchangeably. But somehow in that is where our strength grows. The fruit of the Spirit comes out of our lives in that tension. Because things are being made holy in that. I have a quote from an early church father, Tertullian. The single mark of patience is not endurance or fortitude. It is hope. To be impatient is to live without hope. Think about that for a moment. We, 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 want, we want to control the outcome is because we don't have that hope anymore. Can we do this on our own power? Can we make it happen on our own timeline? 
But to live with patience is to live with hope. And part of that hope is saying, I'm good enough to have something happen to me. I'm going to have it out with God in the meantime, but I'm good enough to have something happen to me. So maybe this can become your new prayer. I think I have this on a slide. I hope. God, grant me patience. And in the meantime, I'm going to have this long temper with you so I continue to pray and ask questions and seek until I see the beautiful things in my life because I have hope. Amen. Just keep praying that one over and over and over. Something else I've learned from my many long tempers with God. God is not silent. God does not hate me. God is close to the brokenhearted. God loves me. And God knows my pain. I've learned these things personally. And I'm worthy of something good to happen to me. When I know this stuff, when I've learned this stuff, because patience is a muscle basically, all of a sudden when I need patience the next time, it's better. The fruit is actually growing in my life. I have, I have a bonus lesson on patience from you guys. Um, you guys know John and I raised four boys. Two of our boys are currently incarcerated. Um, not a shock. <laughs> um, they've had much to overcome. And one of our boys has been locked up now coming this fall will be 20 years. So we're talking about patience. And he's spent 17 of those 20 years in a maximum security here in, Prince, in Virginia. Again, talking about patience. A couple years ago, um, he's hardly ever been on the internet because he went in 20 years ago and it was just so new time. Never had a smartphone, doesn't really know what they are other than on commercials. But they gave, there's a new system where inmates can actually um, text us now. So Kenneth and I have this texting relationship, which is awesome, because that's almost normal, right? We texting your children. So anyway, so on Monday, he texted me. Um, he got transferred to a really uh, great prison, and I say that, understanding it's still prison, but it's really a great place where he's at right now. And um, he's like, I love it here, but I'm still learning patience. You know, love you. And I was like, oh, funny you mentioned patience. I'm preaching on that this Sunday. Anything you want me to share? And this is what he texted back. Actually, texted back twice. Yes. Remember, remember his situation here. Yes. Long patience. I've learned by the grace of God that long patience, about long patience on numerous occasions, especially with enemies. He sent me a book about a year ago called The Path. He read my books. Good insight. The author wrote something that we all know or learn the hard way. Never make decisions in anger. Stay patient. Wait until the storm passes. Let's talk about the beautiful process of life. The gestation period, the upbringing, the learning, the teaching, the living. These things require patience. The good Lord shows patience in creation. That's ultimate patience. Do you know how long that process is? We can go on and on about patience. That's why patience truly is a virtue. And he said, the next day, so at lunchtime, this guy was walking so slow in front of me through the gate. I wanted to truck him. <laughs> I can't do that, so I had to exercise patience. <laughs> it was hot, and I'm a naturally a hot, a fast walker. Slow walking burns me up. So I'm constantly walking around through, stopping, waiting on people. This is minor, though. Patience. Be patient with your sermon. Love you. Bonus content. 
So now we must move on to kindness, because we're going to get through three of these today and three next week. We don't think kindness requires vulnerability, because it's something we learned in kindergarten, right? The simple behavior we should extend to all people. It's behavior that affects everyone around you, and it can really bless people around you. It's not that hard. It should be part of our Christian walk. But to bless someone, to give to someone, to extend yourself to someone, has the inherent risk of your heart being broken. You simply can't show kindness to someone, particularly a suffering someone, without your heart being attached to it. Unless you're that cold of a person. So when you extend kindness to someone, particularly a suffering someone, you have to extend a part of you too. And sometimes, too often, those suffering ones will turn around and disappoint you. Break your heart. And yet we are still called to extend kindness. Because the world needs the heartbreak we risk. i repeat that again. The world needs the heartbreak you risk. Your safe and controlled faith does affect your kindness towards others. I mean, like, really, you are kind in safe situations. You do the right and good things, but when it comes to that vulnerable time of kindness, you find your excuses to steer your way out of it. And in doing that, you actually are missing those Holy Spirit promptings where we are needed to be that heartbreak that the world needs. And the crazy thing is, speaking of long tempers with God and really knowing that God is hearing all your pain while you're in that long temper with him, is that God actually shows himself more when you are extending yourselves into the suffering's lives. We all know this verse out of Matthew 25, which I'm going to read to you, which very coincidentally came up on Peace Girls Wednesday night. It was really awesome because I got to do this sermon twice. Is And they brought it up, not me. Is These are out of verses 44 and 45. You know this stuff. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. You wonder why God feels so distant in your safe and controlled faith. Because he shows up when you are vulnerably living in kindness. So now suddenly, kindness has become more than just a kindergarten behavior, right? The challenge is now there. Again, because the world needs the heartbreak that you risk. So let's move on to goodness, which is the next one. But actually, due to time, I'm going to move on to gentleness this week and save goodness for next week. Which maybe you're going to go, uh-oh, but too bad. So let's close today with gentleness. Gentleness, again, is not something we can do on our own, like another one of those kindergarten behaviors. For example, 
Most mothers are gentle with their babies, caring for and nurturing them, and we can all do that, right? Yet, like I found out a couple years ago with every one of these fruits of the Spirit, there's more to it than that. So, another Greek lesson for you guys. And you'll also see in different English translations of the fruits of the Spirit, sometimes gentleness is replaced with the word meekness. Um, the Greek word here in Galatians 5 is prautes, P-R-A-U-T-E-S. And that word in the Greek means to submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. So this is why this word is switched out. Now, meekness sounds like a soft and fluffy word, and we hear it a lot in the, the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But really, Meekness is a lot deeper than, it's not, it's not weak, not meek and weak. There's nothing there. There's a lot of strength in meekness. In fact, Webster's says, meekness is enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Repeat that. Enduring injury with patience and without resentment. That sounds a little bit like our hearts may be broken again. Um, so meek is not weak. It is actually so full of strength that you don't always show your power. When you're in meekness or gentleness, you're actually living in this tension of when do I power over people and when do I power under people? And this is why there's a strength in that. Because sometimes... It may be the right thing to do to let a person get ahead of you and power under for the greater good. And learning this discernment, this is gentleness. This is not powering over, which can often not look gentle. You know what I mean? But discerning when is the time I need to power over and when do I need to power under. So, no wonder the meek inherit to earth. They've navigated all this and they're the last one standing. There's strength in this. And you know what? When you think of mothers and fathers, happy Father's Day, it's in those 2 a.m. feedings and you're cleaning up puke all day long and you haven't had a conversation with an adult, you don't even know how to talk anymore. That is gentleness. That's the vulnerability there. So, gentleness also sounds like a word we could live and not have boundaries on our lives. Kindness can also be an area where we could maybe live our lives without boundaries. So I want to give you guys a quick word about boundaries. Um, the last couple of weeks I've been mentoring, mentioning this research by Dr. Brene Brown and she found that the most compassionate people live the most boundaried life. Again, this is research. If you think about it, this is why. When I know where my, my life ends and where your life begins, I can give my life wholly to you. It's when those boundaries are blurred that my, my patience may rise up, my lack of patience, my gentleness will change, my not knowing when to power over or power under may change because my boundaries are all, all gone. So, Placing boundaries on your life is actually giving you a position of strength. 
so that you will know how to live meekly. So let me add some scripture to this out of 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 to 8. It says, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But we were as gentle among you as a mother feeding and caring for her children. There that is again. We loved you so much that we gave not you not only God's good news, but our own lives as well. You will have, when you have com complete boundary lives, you can be able to give your lives away. When we have these boundaried lives, our lives can be more open-handed and compassionate because I know where I begin and where I end and I know what I can do. The irony is, is when we live our lives without boundaries is actually when we become the most vulnerably exposed and none of that is that brave vulnerability where you're making the right decisions. You're really getting your heart and soul trounced on. And trust me, the world does not need you in that condition. So gentleness and boundaries. And I could go on and on and on. There's so much about boundaries to learn. But come away with, they're good. And they actually grow your compassion. And that should grow the fruits of the Spirit with you. So, around this time, and it is time, um, we always close with the Lord's Prayer. There's, there's no communion today. So we're going to do that again. Do we have the Lord's Prayer, David? Slides, I know you guys know it. But we're going to pray it today slow. Follow my lead. We're going to take it phrase by phrase. And as we look at each phrase, pray it out loud, look at it on the screen, I want you to think about these fruits of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, and gentleness in your life, in this prayer, and how your life is going to be affected today on forward so that you can be living this way. So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you stand with us, please? I did it again. <laughs>